0: So I spent a large portion of my adult life living in two different suburbs of Dallas, Texas. One was called Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the other was Austin, Texas. And in my years there, I heard a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, never a Cowboys fan, but I liked Cowboys fans. But I heard the story about the Dallas Cowboys that will help us understand the passage that we're going to work through today. And I think it was in the late 1990s, there was this electric wide receiver named Michael Irvin, and his last contract with the Cowboys was $15 million guaranteed. And the Cowboys asked him, would you like that in payments, or would you like it all at once? And he was like, I want my money now. (laughs) Give it to me all at once. And he walked into the first day of training camp and there was a check on his chair for $15 million. And he said, he held up that check and said, I'm rich. And that's the moment I want us to focus on because in a way he was rich, $15 million, but he didn't have $15 million in his hands. He didn't walk out of the locker room with canvas bags with dollar signs on the sides of them. What was rich is that a, what made him rich is that a really rich person gave him the check or a promissory note. The, the mega million dollar owner, millionaire, J- Jerry Jones, had proved that through his bank accounts and his financial records, he was good for it. And when Michael Irvin went to the bank, he knew he was going to really get that money transferred to him. So his present, I can only imagine him in practice that day knowing there's a 15 million dollar check in my locker. That would give me anxiety. So uh, I don't know how he actually, what his mindset was during practice, but I am positive it changed his present reality that day, knowing that his future was different. So let's work through our text for today with that in mind. 1 Peter chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing, when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Wow. So there was a lot there. And I I did that on purpose and I'm going somewhere with you. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write these three words down because you can organize that long chunk into three words hope joy and promise and what we'll do is we'll organize our talk with those words and and work through the scriptures and then have some some takeaways for us and kind of what it means for us today but to take a look at that that first uh verse we looked at in verse three to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead so that's, that's the gospel. If you've been around here, some of that should sound familiar. If you've been with us for any amount of time, that human beings were born into sin and brokenness and, and God became a human and entered into, uh, into creation to, to make a way for us to have a relationship with God again. We were born into death, but now because of Jesus, we can now be alive. It doesn't escape me that this is written by Peter, the disciple who denied Jesus three times. G- Peter, who, who who, experienced not only realizing that Jesus was the Messiah, but realizing how, how Jesus can, can redeem even us denying him. How, how much did he have to know? Like, oh my goodness, I have a living hope. I've, I've seen someone come back from the dead. He appeared to Peter before he appeared uh, to the disciples in the room and was restored by Jesus. and In uh, in, in verses three and five, it mentions the word inheritance. Like we are, we have this inheritance promised to us by God. We're, We're now a part of God's family and now we get the inheritance that Jesus deserved. We get everything. We get everything that God has. What does God have? Everything. Everything that's pure and good and true and right. And what I love is it talks about this inheritance is saved in the safest place it could possibly be. Scripture says it's kept in heaven. God is guarding this inheritance for us. And he's keeping He's keeping it for us with his power. And God is the strongest thing in the world. And, and In there, we read, a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And I want to park there for just a second, because I remember the night I surrendered my life to Jesus, and it wasn't my parents' faith, it wasn't just, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. God did something in my heart on a night in 1994. But this scripture says the salvation will be revealed in the last time. So wait, what is, is salvation for me back in 1994 or is salvation for me today? Or is salvation like to come to be revealed in the last time? The very simple answer to that is yes. Yes, because a lot of us have this transactional understanding of salvation and it stays there. But salvation is transactional, yes. In my life, and hopefully in your life, we can point back to a day where I said, Jesus, that's the night Jesus saved my soul. But it doesn't stop there. Salvation is a moment that points us forward to God's continual work in our life and also to God's finished work in this whole created universe. So the first point is that the good news of the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope for the future. So. If you want to write in your Bibles verses three through five, you could just write the word future next to that. But let's move on. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You will greatly rejoice. You know, we go through tough times in this world and I do not believe that God, that God purposefully tortures us just, uh, just so that we can see, oh, God's there. Like, there's, we live in a broken world and when we face difficult times, whether they're of our own making or by the forces and principalities of this world, that God sustains us, and even in the midst of our tough times, there's joy available to us and peace available to us. Uh, Paul talks about a peace that surpasses all understanding. I love, I love the phrase, God can give us an unreasonable peace even in the midst of the darkest times, because we are grieved by various trials. If you're, if you're here, if you've got breath in your lungs, You've gone through difficult times. And I, I like that those statements, they're side by side. We, we can have rejoicing at the same time. We have grieving or various trials. Those of you who are parents of small kids, you know that yes, there are, there are times where it is a trial. If you wanna get punched in the face, just tell the mother of a six-month-old or a nine-month-old, oh, someday you'll miss these times. Like, it's true, they will miss those times with the cuddles and the late nights, but in the midst of it, it doesn't feel like, ooh, I'm, I'm greatly rejoicing right now. But there's this sense of, okay, it's go- this part is going to be hard for a while, but there is joy on the other side of this. For those of you who go to the gym, you understand, like, I'm going to suffer for a few minutes, and then I'm going to see the results later on. I'm, I'm still waiting on those results, um, but I'm trusting. That's where, that's where my hope is, uh, that I will see those results some way. But this life, take it all the way to the 50,000 foot level, this life does seem long. I love the phrase, the days are long, but the years are short. And sometimes the years even feel long. I know that's true. And that will be true until we are able to see all of this through the perspective of eternity. Then Peter takes us through this this whole image of heating up gold, uh, the, the genuineness of our faith. Like God doesn't waste these tough times, the suffering that we go through. uh, we're heated up and the impurities are melted away. Uh, Remember that hard experience that you've went through so often when we look back on it and we ask, what did God teach me in that? There's something on the end of that. And think, oh my goodness, I learned that God is faithful. I learned that God always provides. When I think about the tough times that God has brought me through or my family through, there's often I can answer, did I let go of something? I can answer that question with a yes. I learned that that hurtful habit wasn't good for me, or I learned that my image management, pff, all those efforts were so, so in vain. Um, the hard times have the ability, if we surrender to God, to purify us and make us stronger. And again, I'm not minimizing. If you're in the middle of a tough time, I'm not saying just suck it up and Flip a switch and all of a sudden God will sustain you. I'm saying hang on. I'm saying if you're in the middle of a tough time, and more importantly I think the, the scripture is saying, there is a, a sustaining power available to you and don't give up and surrender to God. Now stay in community and hang on. Thank you for hanging in there. Thank you for staying in the fire. And please, please don't go through it alone. because when when you share your experience with other people. like we our faith is, is bolstered by what you're going through, but also uh, when your faith runs out, when your energy runs out, you don't have to do it alone. Uh, and Peter is saying, it will be w- worth it. God doesn't waste anything. And when we see the praise and honor and at the revelation of Jesus, a lot of this, and, and it may not be till the other side of heaven when we see it through the perspective of eternity, we will be able to see how, compared to humans, God plays chess and humans play checkers. We can't see thousands and thousands of moves ahead. But God doesn't waste this. Verse eight says, we don't see him, but we love him. We don't see, but we believe. So we, we gotta hang on, and, and and even right now, if you're looking at, at your Bible still, Verses six through nine, you can write the word present. Like this actually means something for right now. I'm not saying someday when we all get to heaven, like then it'll be fine. Like we don't have to wait till later to be fine. We can experience that salvation power now. You know, like most of the words of Jesus, most of the teachings of Jesus had implications for those people right then. They didn't have to wait to get to heaven, to receive comfort, to receive peace, to receive contentment. That's available when you surrender your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and and you're you're filled with God's Spirit. We can experience God's saving power on a day-by-day basis. The good news of the resurrection gives us joy in the present. So, uh, moving on. In verse 10, concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. Who were the prophets that Peter's talking about? Well, just pick one. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Micah. They were, all, they were all searching for this, and, and it wasn't just them that was making the prophecy. This was the Spirit of Christ inspiring these prophets to write down that there is a promised chosen one to come that would redeem humanity. I imagine Isaiah writing chapters 51 to 53, inspired by God to write those down, going like, who is this person who's gonna come and suffer? Who, when are they going to come? It was the spirit of Christ inside of them promising. So this promise of our past salvation, promise of our present salvation and future salvation, it's coming directly from the spirit of Jesus Christ. And notice the the word order, the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. I don't know why I'm so surprised when I suffer He didn't say if you suffer or if you have a hiccup or if you have a bad day. It says like sufferings, like we're following the Messiah and the Messiah suffered. We are going to go through hard times. And in verse 12, it says, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. That's you and me by extension when they spoke of the things that have been told to you and by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even the angels long to look into these things. This was promised, like that, that salvation would come to us and even angels are amazed at this. I can't imagine angels look, seeing the story unfold, seeing the redemption of humanity, like looking on and going, did you see that? That's amazing. Think about everything that angels, these beings that God created, probably be pretty hard to amaze them. And that's good news for us. Like there's something right under our noses happening that even amazes angels. The good news of the resurrection was promised to us by the creator of the world and we can be secure in that. So, We've, we've taken a, a look at, at this kind of in, in three different chunks. Let's back up and look at this whole thing. In the original language, this is an 82-word sentence. That's a long sentence. The translators have, have added some punctuation here and there and broken it up so we can understand it a little bit better, but it's packed with beautiful ideas that can change the way we go about our day-to-day life and give us promises and, and security in our future. But I want to point out that the word you is pointed is, is written down in there 14 times. And it's not the you singular, it's the you plural. So I think Peter was southern because he's saying y'all 14 times. But that changes our understanding about salvation. It's not just about me, it's about us. We have a living hope. It's not just my hope, it's our hope. It's not just your faith that's tested, it's our faith. We're unified, we're in this together. And this wasn't just written for us, it's about Jesus. It, It is written for us but it's not about us. Jesus is at the center of all of this and it's announced to us Jesus is in here five times, nine times if you include the pronouns he and him. It's about how the resurrection of Jesus has changed everything for those who've been born again through Jesus. And the word revelation appears in here it means it's been revealed to us, and that's been uh, repeated already in this in this uh, in this letter. Verse five says, salvation is ready to be revealed. Verse seven says, Jesus Christ is revealed. Verse 12 says, it was revealed to them, meaning the prophets. The resurrection of Christ gives us hope, and it gives us joy, and it rests on a sure promise. So how do we respond to this? This promise, that's this inheritance that's been given to us. As I was praying about, our time together today, some people popped in my head. And these are people here at Solid Ground Church that over the past five years that have gone on to be with Jesus. They've passed into the next life. And I had the honor and privilege of watching them face their last days. And they were so sure that they were going to be with the Lord. And I have no doubts that they're in God's presence right now. But as I watch them talk about how they were ready to go and saying these things that were just amazing to me. I saw living examples of their hope. They knew that they could trust God's promises, that this wasn't, that this isn't all there is to this life. And they were facing, some of them, excruciating pain, but there was a joy on their face saying, I'm going home soon, Mike. They were, they, they walked through a time where they lost their independence or lost some of their physical abilities to care for themselves. But there was a peace there. I had a front row seat to that. And I know that they are experiencing a, a new level. They've got a, they're in a place where there's no more crying, no more tears, no more darkness, no more shame. They have a resurrected body. And that gives me hope for the future. And I, I don't want this to turn into a funeral sermon, but I I do want to ask a question that we often ask at funerals. Do you have a certainty about your future? Is that what brought you here today? If if you're wondering if you can trust this, all these prophecies about Jesus came true. He fulfilled them. And not only did he suffer like was, was promised that the Messiah would suffer? He died and now he's risen again. People saw him. We have accounts of peoples whose lives were changed because they saw Jesus who had come back from the dead. And you can place that certainty in Jesus now. And it's simple. You don't have to use a formula to pray. Just right now say, Jesus, I surrender control of my life to you. Or, or whatever words you wanna say, and then, and then make it public, let us know. Send us a private message or put it in the comments. I surrendered my life to Jesus today. I don't want you to leave this place if you have uncertainty about your future. And for Jesus followers, let's, let's live like those people who've come before us, who have clung and refused to let go of those promises that we've been given by Jesus, and let's let those promises shape us today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, we surrender our lives to you. God, redirect our eyes to your promises. May may you make yourself real to us in a new and fresh way in our day-to-day life, and may that give us hope, not only for the next life, but also for this life. We place our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for spending a few moments with us today. We love you and we can't wait to see you again. And until we are, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.